I'm Grant, an engineering and technology leader who will share the secrets of IT with you. Listen up, because we're about to get into it. Hey, so guess what? I'm actually out on parental leave at the moment, and I'm trying to squeeze in another episode of this podcast during nap time. So y'all know in my last episode, I told y'all I was having another baby. This is number three. Well, he's here, and uh, mom and baby and the rest of the family are all doing amazingly well. We went to the swimming pool this morning, and uh, my two older kids are just completely crashing right now and having a nap while the new one sleeps what newborns do, which is basically sleep all day for a couple of weeks. Eventually, he'll wake up and, you know, we'll have a whole lot of stuff to do during the day. But right now, I'm enjoying the downtime and uh, easing into what it's like to be a family of five, three kids, uh, two adults, and a dog uh, who tags along with us wherever we go as well. So I got to say, I'm really enjoying this time off work. And I do recognize just how privileged and lucky I am to have 12 weeks of paid leave. Now, it's not 100% of my salary, but it's 80% of my salary. And that's still a really good amount of money. And we're, we're able to uh, live on that while we figure out what this new dynamic with three kids is like. I really firmly believe that every company should offer this policy. Uh, if I had my way, actually, it would be federal policy. I think FMLA should be extended to not just give time off work, but should be extended to give more time off work and paid leave. Uh, but, you know, I'm not president. I don't plan on running for office anytime soon, but I will vote for people uh, who do support expanding FMLA to be able to give what I have right now through my company to every American. And that would just be wonderful. Uh, doing what we can to, to help families bond and grow and all that stuff. Uh, having three kids, I think y'all can kind of read between the lines that family is important to me. And uh, it's not everybody's priority in life, but it is mine. And so whatever we can do to support people in their own priorities, I am all for. So I'm appreciating what I got because when I had my firstborn, uh, I didn't get any paid leave at all. Uh, I had to take, we only got four weeks of PTO per year. And I'd take two weeks off when my daughter was born just so I could stay at home and, and we could figure out what it was like having a kid. And uh, luckily, I left that company and went to go work for my current one. And so when my first son was born, uh, baby number two, I did get the 12 weeks of paid leave. And so this is a repeat of that. And uh, it is just really amazing. So I hope uh, you all have an opportunity to find a company that offers a similar policy or maybe even one better if you decide to start a family of your own. But I'll leave it at that and just say I'm incredibly thankful and grateful for what I have as we continue to grow our family here and enjoy our time together. So before we get into the topic of the day, which is inflation and what role it plays in asking for a raise, I wanted to ask a favor of you. I've been doing this podcast for about a year. And during that time, I've had thousands of downloads and listens. I've talked to a lot of you in person about the podcast and the episodes. I've talked to people over email, on Twitter, and on Reddit. Oddly enough, I didn't expect Reddit to drive a ton of traffic to the podcast, but it does, and I'm very grateful for it. But the thing that I find weirdest is that I still only have two reviews on Apple Podcasts for all of the people who are engaging and listening to this stuff. Now, I know a whole lot of you are actually listening on Spotify. I think 60% of my traffic comes through Spotify and other apps that don't have a rating function. But if you wouldn't mind, if you have the ability to flex out and go over to the Apple Podcast app 
uh, give me a five-star rating and drop a review in there. That would help me feel like I'm having an impact in the world. It would also help me feel like the podcast is being more established in the statistics department online. Um, so anyways, I'll leave that uh, request here up front and uh, hope you will take me up on it so I can relax a little. Now let's go ahead and get into the topic of the day. So asking for a raise can be awkward. I've had a bunch of people throughout my career uh, ask me for advice on how to talk to their boss about getting a raise. Uh, oddly enough, a lot of people ask me before I ever was a manager how they how I might go about asking for it. And uh, my answer has probably changed a little bit over time as I've learned more and more about what it means to be a manager. And so I hope today what I can do is kind of share my insights with you and help you prepare your best story to go in and talk with your boss and uh, all of the other kind of things that happen around your boss uh, when you go and ask your boss for a raise. Because it's not just your boss that you need to convince. You need to convince all the people around your boss and the company as a whole of why you deserve to have more money. So we are jumping a little bit ahead. Uh, I don't want to get to the how do you ask for a raise part until we decide, do you need a raise? So I know you want a raise, right? Like I want a raise, but do you actually need a raise to bring you up to market value? And I'm going to come back to that term market value multiple times throughout this episode because that's what you should be targeting. Now, I know there are a lot of people out there in the world who claim to be like, oh, I live in Denver, Colorado or middle of nowhere, Ohio, uh, perhaps in my personal hometown where I grew up, middle of nowhere, Ohio. And uh, they say, well, I work for this big company out in San Francisco or in Los Angeles and I get paid their their wages. And that's actually not true. Any company that I've ever heard of that's large in size, 500 people or more. What the people, what those companies from San Francisco and Los Angeles do is they open up a job for people to work remotely from anywhere in the U.S. And then they make an offer that's uh, in a line with the cost of living situation of the worker. So, yeah, maybe that person who lives in Ohio or Pennsylvania or Colorado, maybe they are making a lot for that market. But it is not San Francisco wages. It is not Los Angeles wages. And uh, all of those rules, all of that analysis is pretty easy to come by. You can hire companies who have done that analysis for you. But if you've got 500 people in your company, you probably have an HR group who's doing that analysis for you anyways. So this is just industry standard stuff. So don't believe people um, who are talking themselves up and saying how much money they make and they live in the middle of nowhere and they're just rich. That may be true, but they're probably rich just because they work in tech. I have up in front of me from Robert Half Talent Solutions, the U.S. salary report for people in technology in 2022. The highlights of this report are people who work in technology, the lowest that they're getting paid is 65000 a year for zero experience as a QA. You're going to get zero experience uh, candidates who are making 100000 a year, 130000 a year. And those numbers are just astronomically high for some places in the middle of rural United States. Uh, that is three times what the local income is, maybe even more, sometimes six times, right? If people in that town are making 30000 a year. You get someone in tech with zero experience who can swing $130,000 a year working for some company out in San Francisco. That is just life-changing for that market. And uh, that would be considered on the low end, you know, someone with zero, zero years of experience. Um, 
all the way up to the high end here. A candidate with exceptional experience can make over $226,000 a year. So you've got a wide variety of pay and ranges here that you can target based on what your specific job function is. But the point that I'm trying to make here is it may feel like you're making a ton of money living in the middle of nowhere, um, but you're still not getting paid as much as you would if you lived in Los Angeles because the market dictates what your wages are. So that's what you need to figure out is are you getting paid fairly for your market? And you can do that analysis, like I said, through Glassdoor, look at a ton of companies. You can even filter by region or city or state on Glassdoor. If Glassdoor doesn't get you what you're looking for, you can go to levels.fyi. That's another one that's really good, especially when you start looking at um, the West Coast companies because they does a total compensation analysis. It's not just a breakdown based on wages. As you move up in uh, the hierarchy, up through senior engineer to staff engineer, and uh and so on, your compensation in terms of salary is going to plateau and level out. And what will happen is all of the money that you make will, will scale tremendously over in the stock options that are granted to you, the restricted stock units or RSUs. So levels.fyi is really good for the bigger companies, the well-known ones like Amazon or, or Facebook or Google or Microsoft or, um, you know, even some other ones like Twilio that is appearing to, to grow rapidly. I think uh, they've got a lot of their information on there as well. So give it a look if you're looking at one of the more well-known companies or one of the ones that are up and coming right now that are hot on the market. If uh, neither of those are quite what you're looking for, you can also go to teamblind.com. Blind is an anonymous professional network. You can look at um, a whole ton of stuff about companies there from people who, who work at those companies. So if you create an account, you're completely anonymous. You can find out what people are getting paid, what the interview processes were like, a whole ton of other information. But all of these resources at your disposal are really to ballpark you and say, um, for example, I live in Dallas, Texas. Am I getting paid reasonably well in Dallas, Texas for my job title and seniority level? That's what you need to narrow it down on. Um, if you can say you are above or below you know, 10% of what you believe your market rate is, that's good information. If you're below 10%, then you've got something that you can work with. Um, so all of these resources, just Google it. You need a ballpark. You don't need a, a perfect number uh, to begin this process of how do you get a raise. Okay, so you did your research. You know where you're at in the market rate. And uh, so the next thing you need to figure out is how much do you want to make? Set a target for yourself. Do you want to be compensated with the market? Like, are you an average employee or do you believe you're above average? And uh, at this point in the analysis, I would recommend that you don't compromise. You're trying to get fair compensation, right? So where do you actually think you fit on the scale of talent? Now, this part does get a little tricky because um, a lot of managers and leaders want to use time and position as a justification for underpaying somebody. So if you just got promoted, you're, you're a year in as a mid-level engineer, then obviously you're going to be lower on the scale. They don't just bring you right in at the midpoint of the pay range. They bring you in a little under the, under the, the midpoint in order to give you room to grow, right? As you become inexperienced and a more senior mid-level engineer, your pay should come up uh, in accordance. But I happen to think that the years of, of experience and position is a flawed metric 
because I've met people who have been mid-level engineers for 10 years who are not as good as some people who just got promoted to mid-level engineers. Now, obviously, a company's not going to get the pay scales perfect, right? Like, that would be a bummer if that 10-year mid-level engineer uh, was paid less than somebody who just got promoted to mid-level, right? So there's a, a whole relationship management dynamic here. But none of that should matter to you. Your goal here is to make sure you get compensated and to not compare yourself to other people on the team. That comparison is something your manager's got to deal with. And so that's one of the reasons why you want to have a strong, uh, strong story here to support why you deserve to get more money. So you can take all those dynamics I just discussed, put them out of your mind. That's not your problem to solve, but it is a problem for your manager to solve. And if you make your story uh, pitch the right way, then your manager will not have an issue. And uh, we'll talk about how to do that properly here in just a second. But first, let's dwell on your manager's situation just a little bit longer. I think this kind of context is really good uh, for you to roll around in your mind as you're thinking about your pitch. So let's say you convince your manager. Yes, they, they also agree that you need a raise. They're going to also want some level of assurance that you're happy with the new pay when they go and ask for a raise and uh, that they won't be talking to you about salary again for a while. This is why your number needs to be a good one because you don't want to go in there and think, oh, it was too easy for me to get that $10,000 raise and then second guess it or go back to your manager and say, now I want even more money, right? Like you want to get a good solid number set for yourself and negotiate it in one fell swoop with a strong story that your manager can sell up the chain to the people who are actually going to give you a raise. Because odds are you're not reporting to the person who's going to convince HR or is going to increase the budget personally to pay for your raise. Somebody's going to do that. And so you've got to convince your manager and equip them to go talk to that person on your behalf. So your manager is going to expect some things in return, and most likely it's the fact that they expect you to be happy with the new money, uh, whatever it is that you get, because they went through all of the effort of getting the raise for you that you deserve. So those are some things that you need to know going into this conversation. Now, is it fair that your manager has the expectation that you may stick around once they bring you up to the market rate? I mean, after all, you were underpaid to begin with, right? And so your manager is really just bringing you up to where you should have been all along. Now, I don't know. I can see both sides of this argument that, uh, no, they shouldn't expect anything of you to stick around because that's just the name of the game. You pay me, I do work. And if someone else pays me more, I'm going to go work for them. Or whether, you know, there's an obligation to your manager because they did you a favor, so to speak, by going up to bat and championing your career and how much you get paid. I don't know the right answer. I really can see both sides of that uh, argument, but I wanted to share both sides with you so that you can come to your own conclusion and your own decision on this. I think whatever you decide you're fully justified in doing, as long as you've got reasons for uh, whichever side you choose to align yourself with, all right? It's okay no matter what you choose, but those are the two sides as I see it. So by now, after you've done all of this research, you may be able to set a target for yourself, but maybe not. And if not, that's okay. There are still some things here that you can do to further your research. Teamblind.com, or just commonly referred to as blind, is a uh, social group online that's anonymous, a professional networking group where you can go and see how much money people at other companies make, connect with them, talk with them about the culture. And uh, that is sometimes a little more useful than levels.fyi because smaller companies 
are also on blind, uh, whereas levels.fyi is really only the big enterprises and uh, the hot up-and-coming companies. So I think between glassdoor.com, levels.fyi, and teamblind.com, you can really arm yourself with a whole lot of knowledge and information about what you should be getting paid without ever having to talk to another person in your company and tip them off that you are unhappy with your pay or considering going to another place. And uh, let's see here. The fourth thing that I would say in the research space would be talk to your coworkers, find out how much they make. Now I'm probably doing a disservice to all of the, the managers and executives in the world right now by telling you to go talk with your coworkers. But there's nothing illegal about doing that. And in fact, it is illegal for an employer to prevent you from doing that. So you have all of the power in your hands to go talk with your coworkers. And I actually got a uh, trick here that I can share with you. If you know there are other people who are dissatisfied with their salary at the company, and you want to share your salaries with one another without actually telling each other specifically what you make, there is a way that you can average all of your salaries together without knowing each other's salary and then get what the average of among you all is. So let's talk this through for a second. So let's say you have a bunch of coworkers and nobody wants to share how much money they make with each other. That's fine. So let's say you can start this process on your own. Grab a calculator or something online, some online tool that you can collaborate with, and you add your salary into this device, this calculator, right? And then pick another random large number that is close to your salary amount and, and add it to the number as well so that you've just have, have a number that is not your actual salary, but is really big and would be kind of hard to guess how much you actually make from. So let's say you make 150,000, add 250 to it, and you'll get 400,000 as your number. So take that and then give it to the next person on the team and have them add their salary into it as well, right? And continue this process through all of the people who are interested in comparing salaries. And then when the calculator comes back to you as the first person, you can then subtract that 250,000 from the total sum of everybody's salaries. That'll get you to the number that you need to divide by to get the average salary for everybody. So 10 people, just subtract your 250, divide by 10, and you get the actual average among everybody's salaries without having to specifically call out people and how much they make. So why is this number important? Because if you know the average among all of you on the team, then you can identify whether you are paid above average or below average for the team. And so if you are above average, you may not have as much leeway to ask for a raise. Maybe you do. Uh, that's going to come down to your reasons why, which we'll get to in the next section here, talking about the value you bring to the team. That's the, the, what you need to structure your argument around. But what this exercise will do is equip everybody on the team to know kind of where they are positioned with respect to one another. And your A players are going to know, hey, I feel like I'm the A player on this team, but I'm under the average pay. Like, that's not fair. And, you know, it may spur some conversations for equity in across the pay scale for everybody on the team. And that's the reason why I think uh, this is probably frowned upon for me giving you this advice to talk with your peers, because it puts your manager and your executives in the limelight for, hey, are you actually managing pay well? Now, the reason why I said earlier 10% is probably the, the breaking point for whether or not you're paid fairly is because 
the expectations of managers is at the end of the year, they will perform merit increases for the team and the budget they usually get is between two and 6% of the team. So you should expect on average somewhere in that for your merit increase at the end of the year. If your company is one that does annual merit increases, if you are outside of that range, that average of two to 6%, then what we're really talking about is it's going to take multiple years of merit increases to adjust you to the right position in the market so that you're fairly compensated. I personally think that's the time when you should be asking for a raise is let the process do what the process does, which is adjust your rates for the market based on your performance. And if you are going to take a couple of years to catch up to the market, then you need to say something about it and make your managers do their jobs and your executives need to pay up uh, to make sure you are paid fairly because otherwise it's not fair and you need to go find another job of someone who's going to value you for the skills and the talent that you bring to the table. Hopefully it won't get to the point where you need to take another job. Hopefully your company is already doing right by you and using some of the tools and techniques that we're discussing right now, you'll be able to have an effective conversation with your manager. So we've talked mostly mechanically about pay and how it relates to the market and your peers and time and position to this point. I hope what I've shared has been clear, but I think we need to take a side track here and get away from just the the fundamentals and the basics and talk about human factors as well. This isn't just an equation where you pop in someone's years of experience, time and position, and skill set with relation to the market and get out a number of how much they should get paid. There's also some level of charisma and relationship with your management and executives and HR that you need to pay attention to as well. So if you're unhappy with your pay, then you should talk to somebody about it. But once you open up that door, then you are opening up the relationship door. Depending on how the conversation with your manager goes, if you let a lot of anger out during this conversation or a lot of emotion or your manager feels cornered, like you're unhappy with pay and there's nothing they can do to help you out, then the most likely outcome is that your manager is going to perceive you as what's called a flight risk from that point onward. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but we're just talking about people here and your manager's job is to protect the team uh, from any uncertainties in the future, such as someone on the team up and leaving. If you are perceived as a flight risk, your manager is very likely to disengage with you a little bit. They may be less interested in you as a future leader because they don't expect you to stick around long enough to be in that position. They may also stop giving you or letting you pick up such business critical work that you may have been focusing on before, or they may make an additional effort to get knowledge out of your head and into the, your teammates' heads so that if you were to leave one day, that it wouldn't be a business stopping event for the team and they wouldn't be scrambling to try and figure out gaps of knowledge that were only in your head that should have been with the team all along. So those are just some of the outcomes that may happen if you get perceived as a potential flight risk due to factors that may be out of your control. Like I said, your manager being unable to pay you more and knowing that when the conversation happens. So as long as you're aware of those things uh, and have your story right, I think going and having the conversation is okay as long as you're aware of potential outcomes. Now, it's not really fair. I don't think that these are potential outcomes. Your manager shouldn't hold that against you, but you can probably see why they may. It's really just a, a how to manage risk of a team. Your manager is trying to operate a team collectively. And if one of those members 
decides to leave, it impacts the team. So the manager has to react somehow, and they may be completely and totally oblivious to the fact that you're unhappy or underpaid until the moment you talk to them. So it is definitely a, a decision point in your career of when and how you have this conversation with a leader. I've personally done it multiple times throughout my career, so I'm not giving you advice that I have not followed through with before, and I have always met with a positive outcome. Um, let's see here. I've asked three managers in my time. One time I got a 20% pay raise because I was abhorrently underpaid. And I discovered that by being friends with a, a program manager at the company who had access to the financial records. He told me just because he was my friend, how little I was getting paid. And I talked to my manager about it and demanded a raise and I got one. And, uh, so that was how the first one went down. The other two, I was just really unhappy because I had seen what people were getting paid in the market from looking at glassdoor.com, for example. And in both situations, I was able to get a raise by going and talking to my manager saying, here is the market rate for engineers in this location. Here's what I'm looking to get paid more because this is the value that I bring to the team. And I trust that you can see that I'm a valuable member of the team. So I hope you'll help me out. So my manager went and talked to their executives and talked to their HR people. And at the end of the day, they were able to do something for me. Now, one group came up the full 11% and the other group came up 8%, which is not quite what I was looking for, but was enough to show good faith at retaining me. So I stayed with that company for a while longer. Okay. So at this point, you've done your research and you got your number and you're aware of all of the weird meta context that floats around pay. And once you open this door with your manager, uh, so how do you pitch this thing? So let's talk about that before we actually get to an example of how to pitch this to your manager. So I know inflation sucks right now. It's really high. A lot of people across the world, in fact, not just the U.S., are hurting because wages are not outpacing inflation. You can't actually use that as a reason why your company needs to pay you more. Now, it's counterintuitive because I know you want to say, but Grant, you're giving me a 4% pay raise this year. Don't you know inflation's 8%? And so I'm effectively taking a 4% pay cut just by staying here. Like that makes logical sense, but it's not a strong argument in your favor because in previous years, merit increases have outpaced inflation. And what we didn't do was say, oh, we should give people less raises because inflation's low. So we can't expect companies in years of high inflation to say, oh, we should give bigger raises because inflation is variable and you can't plan for it except in hindsight. So most companies across the board just give flat uh, merit increases every year on a fixed budget. I don't personally like that approach. I think it's bogus and can be done better, but I'm not here to argue how companies should do pay raises. I'm just here to share with you, this is how they do pay raises. So what we're trying to do here is get you the strongest argument in your favor. And um, I'm just going to share with you up front, like tying it to inflation is not a strong argument. I've had this conversation personally multiple times, and I know peers of mine and friends at other companies have had the same conversations with engineers on their teams, and it always goes in the same direction. So let's take a different angle here. And this angle is actually pretty challenging to get right. You have to both compare yourself to your teammates while not saying anything out loud about your teammates. Your manager already has a list in their brain of who is the top performer on the team and who isn't. So they have a stack rank in their brain of where everybody on the team fits. Likely, just statistically, you're in the middle of this somewhere on a normal distribution. 
And uh, so if you go in and you start talking to your manager about how you are ranking people on the team and where you fit in, if your lineup of people on the team doesn't match your managers, that's bad for you. So you don't want to talk about being better than your peers, um, but you can talk in general terms about how you believe you're above average. And then let's give some examples of how you're above average. Being specific on your contributions is going to help this conversation go a lot farther with your manager than if you just come in and say you're above average. And the secret here is that everybody in the whole world believes they're above average. So you sort of have to approach this with like some real detail of why you're valuable, why you're above average, and talk generically. Because if you start calling out people on the team and saying, hey, I'm better than Jim and Susan, and I should be paid more than they're getting paid because I'm better than them, what you're going to do is derail the whole conversation into, well, why do you think you're better than Jim and Susan? Let's talk about that. And then you find yourself a half hour later having never discussed the pay raise that you went in there to do. So you kind of have to, to go both directions here, like I said, of making a case for yourself as a, an above average player in terms of value delivery and not actually ranking yourself among the people on the team. So it's tricky to get right, so you should practice it a little bit and come up with some strong value-based reasons as to why you're above average. The other thing that could derail this conversation for you is even if you don't call other people out on the team, just by saying you think you're above average, if your manager isn't already bought into that, then it's going to get derailed and you're going to find yourself in a situation of trying to prove why you're above average. But if you've got your value delivery lined up there and your story is pretty good, then that shouldn't be a hard conversation to have with your manager. Maybe there's just some difference of expectations, like you've done a bunch of stuff that your manager didn't know you did. That could be important information for them and could seal the deal for going up to bat to get you a raise. So those are all the, those are some additional side things that you can be aware of when you go into this, but it's a tricky angle to get right. So now let's talk about value delivery. Like what does that even mean? Value is value that you bring to the table. Why is the team better? Because you're on it. How are you making the business operate better? Because you know you're an engineer, but you don't just write code to write code. You write code for a purpose. What's the purpose of your team? What's your team's mission? What is the type of work that you deliver and contribute to the shared mission of your team and the success? A lot of times when you talk about value delivery, a good justification for why you deserve a raise is in the money that you're saving the company. Or if you're working on a product that generates additional like users and revenue, that's an angle that you could take as well. So examples here I've seen are savings of labor hours. If you work on an automation team and the applications that you have built perform some automation for someone's job, how many hours did you save of that engineer or that other person's job? I'll use an example from one of my past lives at Southwest Airlines uh, when I was tech lead on flight planning and dispatch. So I was a software engineer, wrote software every single day, but we had a whole job function and title called release manager on the team. And what this person did was they would manually like collect artifacts that were going to be released. They would organize them into a tarball or a, you know, it's a, basically a zip file on Linux and they would push that artifact into production, unpack it, and put everything in the right location. Well, it's obviously very manual and prone to error, so I wrote a script and taught this other person how to write bash scripts so that they could automate that whole process, reducing the risk, 
increasing the uh, repeatability of the release process and also upskilling themselves a little bit so that they could write scripts and automate other manual processes that were necessary as the release changed. Now, a lot of you may be thinking, boy, that's an archaic release management process. And it was like, we knew that at the time, this was back in 2012. And even then we were saying, why are we still manually releasing things into production like this? And uh, my little solution there of writing a script and teaching the release manager how to script things did help a little bit, uh, but it was still very far from a modern software delivery system. And that's okay. It's not great, but it's where we were at at the time, and things have come a really long way since then. But if I were going to be talking to my manager about, hey, I, I deserve a raise, that's one thing that I could highlight as to how I'm helping improve the team and reduce costs for the, the company by helping people build automation rather than doing things manually. You speed things up, you can get more done in less time, and it's more reliable, less risky. All of those are really good things, and they reflect directly on me and my performance in that role. I bet if you think about your own role and your contributions to your team, you may be able to come up with a very similar example of how you are bringing value to uh, the workplace. So what I'm going to do here in a second is just actually role play an example of how I would approach my manager if I were an engineer and I think I deserve a raise. And if the data in the market were to kind of give me validation on that, that I'm not already significantly overpaid for the market as it is. So let's go into this assuming that's all true. And remember, the goal here isn't just to go talk to your manager. The goal here is to secretly arm your manager with the story that they're going to tell their executive. And that executive is then going to have to sign off on or go to bat for you on behalf of your manager with the HR team. So we're, we're actually talking to people through people here. So as you're putting your story together, keep that in mind. But here's an example. If I were going to go talk to my manager of how I would do it. So a lot of planning goes into this interaction uh, before you even meet with your manager. So if I'm going to, let's start with uh, choosing the right setting. So I'm not going to put a meeting on my manager's calendar out of the blue. That's going to put them on the defensive or alarm them a little bit, or they may just want to meet immediately and have the conversation. What I'm going to do is wait for a regularly scheduled meeting with my manager, perhaps at my next one-on-one. -on -one. If I can, I'm going to try and get that one-on-one -on -one rescheduled to early in the morning if it's not already there, or right after lunch. And there's a really good reason why. I don't know if you know this or not, but research was actually done on factors involved in judicial decisions. And the research bears out that a favorable ruling is more likely to happen very early in the workday or after a food break rather than after a series of other cases. What that means is that when the judges were relaxed or they had energy to do their job well, they were more likely to give a better ruling for a case. And I find that that's like a human factors thing, right? I've got the paper right in front of me right now. I'll add a link to it just because I think it's fascinating. But that seems to be a very normal human factors thing. You want to choose the time and the setting where the other person is in a good mood and ready to engage with you. And a lot of times that's after a food break or early in one's workday. So consider that as a factor here as you're going into this conversation. The next thing I would do is to have clearly defined how much money am I going to ask for? What's my target? 
and then I'll have some of the research to back that up available, but I'm not going to dump that on my manager in this meeting. I'm going to have it available if they want to see it. And then during the one-on-one, -on -one, I'm going to try and have a positive, upbeat attitude and, uh, you know, maybe break some ice with them and talk about what happened over the weekend or, you know, plans going on with my family at first. And then I'm going to transition during this one-on-one -on -one into uh, the conversation I really want to have with my leader. And here's how that might go. Hey, so, um, so I wanted to talk to you about my pay. Now, I know this could be a little awkward, and I'm really nervous to actually bring this up with you, so I hope you'll bear with me, and I hope everything that I'm trying to tell you comes out the right way. So first off, I appreciate you. I appreciate your management of this team. I really like working for you, but I did some research recently, and I'm pretty sure I'm being paid less than market rate for what I do. Based on my research, I'd be happy to share like the numbers with you if you want to see them. I think a developer in my market makes 150 a year and I'm only getting paid 130. And that's pretty big, right? Like that's 14% under market value. And like I said, I love working for you and being on this team and I really don't want to go anywhere, but 14% is a large amount of difference to make up here. And I was hoping that you could like bring this up to market rate at least so that I could feel like I'm valued on this team. And it's not like I don't feel like I'm valued, but the pay speaks volumes to me. And uh, I really hope we can do something about that because I think I do some really awesome stuff here. And you know the work I've done, but in order to get that done, I've had to do other things like enhance the testing framework, which was a total mess. But now that that's finished, writing unit tests is a whole lot faster and easier. So our code quality is gonna improve. Um, I think you remember the interns that were here. I was also pretty heavily involved in mentoring them. And so I'm doing what I can to not just build the software, but to also improve our team and the processes on this team at the same time to help everyone else be more effective. So I think I'm worth more than just market rate, to be honest. And if you disagree with anything I'm sharing with you here, uh, then please help me understand where I'm wrong or where I'm falling short of your expectations, because I want to get on the same page with you. And I hope that this is coming across the right way. I dropped a lot of information on you right now. So I want to pause to see if you're kind of in agreement with what I'm saying here or not. Because it matters a whole lot that you see me for the value that I bring to this team. And I hope that my pay is going to reflect my performance here. So what do you think? Uh, I don't know. Share your thoughts with me uh, if you could. And scene. That's the end of my little role play there. That was a little bit difficult to do because I was um, totally making up a scenario off the top of my head and uh, trying to pitch it to my manager. I added in all of the key points that they would need to take to their bosses. There's justification for the value I bring. There's a clear request of I want to be brought up to market rate of 150 or higher. And uh, basically the rest of this is going to be watching them in their body language. I've found throughout my many years of experience that you can do that as easily virtually as you can in person. So it's not important to physically be in front of your leader, but uh, you do need to watch them and see how they're responding. Uh, if they are nodding their head or they have you know a neutral look on their face or are smiling a little bit, then you may be going in a good direction with how you're phrasing things and the energy that you're projecting to your manager. But if they begin to scowl or, you know, they tighten their lips, maybe 
or if they like, you know, slight, slightly shake their head, those may be indications that you, you might want to pause and ask for clarification on the point that they seem to be in disagreement with. And you can say that straight out loud to them. That often helps, I found, in, in my position to move things along. It's like, so, you know, and I, I bring value to the team in these ways. It's like, oh, hey, I see you uh, may look a little uncomfortable there. Or your your lips are tightening. And uh, I think maybe you're not as sold on that point as I think I am. So would you mind clarifying uh, what your opinion is on my contributions, right? You can just kind of break things in the middle of your pitch and address the concerns of your leader. And that'll at least get you to something actionable so you can either improve your performance or focus on things that your manager cares about or at least get clarification and then you can continue with your pitch later. So this is gonna be dynamic back and forth with your leader, uh, but I hope that little role play gives you an idea of how I would approach it. The energy there, um, I attempted to be positive. I'm not in an adversarial relationship with my manager. I tell them some good things that I appreciate appreciate about them, their style of leadership maybe, or the fact that I do actually like working for them. That's a good one to lead with. That you don't want to leave the company that you're pretty happy with where you're at if they can fix the salary situation. And all of those things are very important to say out loud because if you don't share those things with your manager, they may, may be wondering if you're holding back. And if they think you're holding back, then their mind is going to make up a story as to what you might be holding back. And you don't want them to do that. You want to be clear, open with them, and tell them exactly what's on your mind. And hopefully you've got a leader who uh, is open and, and willing to do the right thing for you. Uh, I think the odds here, if I can make a guess, a ballpark figure, more often than not, managers want to help you. There are some companies that that's not really their angle. I will not name them here because I'm a little sketchy on the details, but I've read stories of some large companies that give engineers uh, like stock, uh, what are those things, restricted stock units, RSUs, that disperse over four years. And what the management strategy there is, is to sell them on like an average or an okay salary with half a million or more in RSUs that are going to invest over four year period. And if you can drive the person to resign after two years or three years, then you get the labor out of them and you don't actually have to pay all of the, the compensation that you use to get them in-house in the first place. Now, that's devious. That's underhanded. Some of those companies, like that's a known thing that they try and do. And if you can stick it out for four years, so to speak, then you'll be a millionaire. And uh, that's like a real thing in the industry you've got to pay attention to. So again, getting on blind, um, that's one of the places you can read those stories or even Reddit. There's an experienced devs uh, subreddit that I'm on sometimes and you can go and hear some of the stories there as well. But I really want to assume positive intent here. Most of us managers go into management because we care about people. And if you come to me with a concern about your pay, then I'm happy to dive into the numbers. I'm probably more transparent than the average bear at sharing that stuff. And I think that's actually a good role for a role model for every manager to follow. I think erring on the side of transparency has only ever been good for me and the people who have been on my teams. And let me tell you, I've had a lot of conversations with people about their salaries and some of them were paid way lower than they should have been. But I told them that when they asked me and I had been fighting the good fight on their behalf to that point to try and bring their pay up. And so when they mentioned it to me, I was already working on it, but we were able to work on it together 
going forward and bring them to a point where we were both happy with how much this person was getting paid. So love it or hate it, your manager is the best route for you to getting paid fairly in the market. Odds are you were brought in at a fair rate. Like I said, most companies don't try to undercut you on the salary. We do try to hit market rate, but over time, uh, especially if you've been at the same company for five or six or seven years, your wages may have drifted away from market rate. Um, so now's your chance. Do that analysis. See if you need to, to be compensated more for your efforts and then go talk with your manager after building your case and picking the right time and place to do so. All right. I may have beat this topic to death now, so I hope that some of what I said today was uh, useful for you or it resonated to you. And if there is anything I said that is still confusing or you're unsure of, feel free to hit me up on Twitter um, at Tweets of Grant or send me an email at hello at grantdryden.com. I would be more than happy to talk to you about your specific situation. Uh, the rules that I've shared today, they don't vary from company to company, but your analysis may, with whether you work at a big company or a small company, if you get stock units or you don't get stock units, all of those things are specific to you and your scenario, and I'd be happy to talk those over with you. And now that we are near the closing of this episode, I will ask one last time, if you can, please go out to Apple Podcasts and drop a rating or a review for this podcast out there for me. Make me relax a little bit knowing that people are actually enjoying the stuff that I am uh, putting out there into the world. I do this mainly to help you in your career because I recognize that I've got lots of experience here and things that I've learned over time. And so if you can benefit from the things I've learned, I consider that doing good in the world. If you decide to go talk to your manager after listening to this podcast, I would love to know how it works out for you. Because whether you get a raise or not is not your bar for success. Your bar for success is having the talk with your manager. There are so many people out there in the world who just don't have the guts to go talk with their manager about this, even though they feel like they're underpaid. So if you do have the guts go, to go talk with your manager, I'm proud of you. That's the first step. And if you do it really well, then hopefully this pays off to your benefit at the end of the day. But I'm still proud of you no matter what the outcome is. So please let me know if you do have that conversation. And in the meantime, thank you for listening. And I will see you again next time. Mm -hmm.